We are on Yevamos Kuf Yud Zayin Omer Aleph 117a as we begin a new Mishnah. Uh, this Mishnah is the source for the all the mother-in-law jokes that exist. Um, essentially, um, we've been discussing how uh, one witness, the wife, anybody is really able to testify that the husband died. Um, it could be that there's certain limitations depending on the situation and the scenario if it's during times of war or if they got into a big fight, uh, a very serious you know, breakdown of the marriage, not just any, any argument. Uh, this Mishnah lists five relationships where the person's not believed because uh, it's a type of relationship where she really wants to, or at least there's concern that she really wants to uh, mess over this marriage and this woman. Um, and so because of the type the type of relationship that exists, so therefore um, there is there is such a concern. So let's see the mission on the list. There there are five. We'll see that there might be two more that are added. Hakol Neman Everybody's able to testify. Chutzmichamosa, her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law cannot testify that her own son died because there's concern that she's really lying. Her, she knows that her son is really alive. The daughter-in-law will then marry somebody else. And once she marries somebody else, so then when the husband comes back, so then they are no longer able to stay married to each other because she married somebody else in the meantime. And so she'll testify that her son died, but really her son is alive and she just wants the two to get divorced. So maybe the mother-in-law is not allowed to testify. Ubas Chamosa, the daughter of the mother-in-law, is not allowed to testify, i.e. the either the half-sister or the full-sister of the husband cannot testify. Vitsarasa, a co-wife cannot testify. Why can't a co-wife testify? So there's also this sense of uh, hatred, that there's dislike for each other. Basically, the husband is married to two women. And so one of the co-wives will then, this concern, will testify that the husband really died. In the meantime, the other co-wife will marry somebody else. The, the co-wife who testified will not get married to somebody else because she knows herself that she made the whole thing up. The co-wife who, the other co-wife who did not testify will marry somebody else. The husband will come back. And that co-wife who, who married somebody else in the meantime will have to get divorced from her husband. And then the co-wife who testified, who lied, could now stay married as being the only wife to this husband. So that's the concern. Another case is Vimta. This is essentially, let's just give names here to make it easier. Ruven was married to Rachel. Ruven is the one who traveled afar. Um and is married to Rachel. Ruvain's brother is Shimon, who's married to Leah. So, Leah has this concern uh, that maybe um, her either her own husband will die, uh, let's say her own husband will die, and uh, she will fall to Yibam, and she will eventually become a co-wife to Rachel. So, Leah has this concern that she'll eventually, she's not right now, at the present time, a co-wife to Rachel, but maybe through Yibam, She'll become a co-wife to Rachel, and so therefore she doesn't want to even she doesn't even want that situation to come about. It shouldn't even happen, and so therefore she'll testify to say that you know what Rachel's husband really already died. Rachel will then marry somebody else, and then that's the end of that relationship. And so she's good to go. She won't have this co-wife. So it's about about a future um, a future concern. And then finally, the last case is Vabas Baila, uh, the daughter of of the husband. Uh, meaning it's a stepdaughter for this current wife. It'll be a stepdaughter. She's also not allowed to testify. She also might not like her stepmother 
might want her to leave the relationship, and this is a way for her to leave the relationship by testifying to say, you know what, my father died. Uh, obviously, she's lying. I mean, the, the concern is that she's lying. And then the stepmother will marry somebody else, the husband will return, and they can't stay married to each other, based on, on the rules that we've seen um, uh, from the very, very beginning of this discussion. Ma being get Lemisa, the Mishnah ends off by saying, well, what's the difference between testifying that the husband died where all five of these women are not able to testify? Again, the mother-in-law, um, the, the daughter of the mother-in-law, i.e. the sister-in-law, uh, the co-wife, a potential co-wife through Yibam, and the daughter of the husband. Those are the five people. They're not allowed to testify that the husband died. And yet they are allowed to uh, be the messenger for a get. Uh, when it comes to the divorce process, the way the divorce works is that the husband has to give the divorce document to the wife. So the these five women are allowed to be messengers. They they are allowed to be the messengers for the divorce document, even though when they when they transfer it and they bring it over from the husband to the wife, they have to testify in court about the fact that everything was done properly. It is a requirement for the messenger to do. They have to testify in court. So they're not coming to testify in court. Why do we? Why should we believe them? Maybe they want uh, they want it to look like there's a divorce. They're all, in, they're all, uh, we all have this concern that maybe they'll lie just to make sure that this marriage ends. So why don't we have the same concern? So the says, no, Sheksab Mochiach. The reason why there's less of a concern there, or there is no concern, is because she's holding on to a get. She's holding on to a divorce document. The divorce document has witnesses that are signed on the divorce document. It's much harder to just uh, create that and to lie about that uh, than it is to lie about the fact that the husband died. You have the document right in front of you with witnesses, so that's sufficient evidence to say, you know what, she's not really, she's not lying. She'll come to court and she'll testify that everything was done properly, and we'll believe her because she has the actual document at hand uh, with the witnesses signing on the document. Okay, so before we get into the Gemara, just one point is that there's, there is a discussion when we say that they're not believed. What happens if they end up coming to court, these, any of these five women? And they do, in fact, end up testifying that... Um, that the husband died. So now let's say she gets up. We, we shouldn't believe, we don't believe them. We don't believe them. But let's say the wife now uh, gets up and marries somebody else. She marries somebody else or uh, let's say she has rela- a re- relationship with somebody else. Are we concerned that the child is a mamzer? Would the child be viewed as a, as a mamzer? Only a questionable mamzer because it's true the Mishnah says that we don't accept their testimony but does that mean that we don't accept it at all? That it, there, there's absolutely no concern. We have absolutely no concern. We think that the husband is for sure alive. Or do we say that? No, it, it, at least it makes it into some sort of... It, it's a questionable scenario. They might be telling the truth. They might be lying. We don't know. And so therefore, we should be concerned that maybe the husband is actually dead. We won't let, let her get married, but maybe if she already got married, um, so then maybe we have to be concerned that that's a, that's a good marriage because the husband might already have died. Because there was this testimony. We're just not sure whether it's whether it's um, they're telling the truth or not, so that that is that is uh, subject to debate. I believe uh, most of the uh, most of the later commentators say that we just don't we don't believe them. Meaning we don't believe them. There's this concern that they're lying, and we fall back. It's not just that we don't believe them, but we fall back on status quo. Status quo is that the husband's alive, and that they're married. And just like we fall back on status quo in general, you know, anytime there's a marriage without any testimony whatsoever, and the husband is away for a few days. The status quo is that the husband's alive and they're still married, right? We live based off, based off status quo. And so, therefore, they're testi- even though they testify in court that the husband died, we don't believe them because there's this concern that they're lying. They might be telling the truth, but there's a serious concern that they're lying. 
And as such, uh, we'll fall back on the status quo to say that uh, that the, we, we really assume, halakhically, we, we go with the assumption that the husband is still alive. Okay, and therefore, anything that she does afterwards, we, we just have assume that it's uh, adultery or it's an illicit relationship and the child is a mom's there. Um, and so that, that's, what, that's, what we, that's what halacha understands. That's according to most of the later commentators. The Gemara now will ask a bunch of different scenarios. We'll have other cases as well, try to analyze it. Is this also, should this be included in addition to the five that are mentioned in the Mishnah or not? So, Yibayiluhu. In the Mishnah it said that a sister-in-law, meaning the daughter of the mother-in-law, uh, cannot testify because she has this uh, hatred towards her sister-in-law. What about if it's the daughter of the father-in-law? What, what, what's the story with that? Do we say that the reason why the daughter of the mother-in-law, uh, she has this hatred towards her sister-in-law, her brother's wife, because she knows that her mother-in-law has this terrible relationship, so she just takes the side of her mother-in-law. But when it comes to the father-in-law, the father-in-law and daughter-in-law relationship is not as bad. And so therefore, it's, if it's the daughter, specifically we're talking about right uh, half-siblings here, if it's the daughter of the father-in-law, so she won't be as hard and uh, have such a difficult relationship as the daughter of the mother-in-law. Uh, the daughter of the father-in-law sees that the father-in-law doesn't have such a bad relationship, so she won't have such a bad relationship. And so therefore we should trust her. Maybe we should trust her. Or maybe the real concern here, the reason why everybody's getting so upset here, is really having to do with um, uh, of where is the money going. It's all about money. And the mother-in-law is very upset that everything she put into this child, into her son, everything he makes is now going to the wife. And, um, and, and, and if he passes away, so then, uh, you know, she'll, she'll inherit and, uh, all these concerns. And so too, a sister-in-law will have similar concerns that all this money is going towards the wife. Uh, and so therefore she would also have these concerns, even if she's the daughter of the father-in-law and not just the daughter of the mother-in-law. So what's the halacha? So the Gemara answers, um, so then, so too, the Bein Nisai, they say the aim of the Bein Nisai, Loshna Baschamosa Veloshna Baschameha. The Gemara answers, the Gemara first wants to suggest, well, the Mishnah limited it to five. There's only five in the Mishnah, not six. You can't just start adding more. Uh, the Mishnah limited it to five. The Gemara then responds back by saying, no, no, no. Maybe it's already, it's just a, a, a subcategory of the daughter of the mother-in-law. If it's the daughter of the mother-in-law, she can't testify, so then certainly the daughter, not about certainly, but Included within that is the daughter of the father-in-law. The daughter of the father-in-law also can't testify. They both can't testify, and they're all considered as part of one group. And so it's not in addition to the five. Yes, it's a different type of relationship, but it is it is sort of like a subcategory of one of the five. The do- Just like the daughter of the mother-in-law can't testify, so too the daughter of the father-in-law can't testify. The Gemara now says, well, this is now, we finished that topic of the daughter of the father-in-law, but the Gemara now says, you know, we had five in the Mishnah. Again, the mother-in-law, the daughter of the mother-in-law, the co-wife, a potential co-wife because of Yibam, and then the daughter of the husband. Uh, but the, the Gemara says, but there's a Brisa which says that it's actually seven. It's not five, but it's seven. Sounds like it's seven. So the Gemara says, That's the position of Rabbi Yehuda. Why? It's not Rabbi Yehuda. Mosif, Af, Eishis, Av, Vehakala. Rabbi Yehuda added on, you know what six and seven is? 
You could also add on Eishes Av, um, the uh, husband's stepmother. It's the husband's stepmother. And also uh, the husband's daughter-in-law, the husband's son's wife. So you can add on the stepmother, the husband's stepmother, and the husband's daughter-in-law. So that's the position of Rabbi Yehuda. That's six and seven. Others argue, the majority argues, Amru Lo, they say, no, Everybody agrees that these additional two cannot testify. The question is whether it's necessary to state it. Rabbi Huda said it's necessary to state it. The stepmother and the husband's daughter-in-law. The rabbi, the majority, responds back by saying, no, it's already included. How do I know this? I know this because if, because it, 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 it's reciprocal, meaning we already, in the Mishnah, it already included the daughter of the husband, which means it's a relationship of a stepdaughter-stepmother relationship. So if that's a problem, so then when it comes to the wife, so then her, her stepmother would also be a problem. It's already obvious. If a stepdaughter doesn't have a good relationship with her stepmother, it works it works the opposite way also. The stepmother doesn't have a good relationship with her stepdaughter. Um, and similarly, if we're going to say that um, the mother-in-law is... Uh, is a problem. So then we'll say that the husband's daughter-in-law is also a problem. It's uh, it ends up being a mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. It could be her own daughter-in-law. Um, it's a mother-in-law, daughter-in-law type of a relationship. Um, and so just like we'll say that the mother-in-law can't testify, we'll say that her own daughter-in-law also can't testify um, because it's reciprocal. That's what that's what the majority will say. Rabbi Huda said, "No, we need a reason." Why, Rabbi Huda? will say that no, it's not necessarily reciprocal. Why? The mother-in-law doesn't like the daughter-in-law because the, the, the mother-in-law views the daughter-in-law as taking away all of everything she put so much into her into her son, and all this money that's going to her son is now going to her daughter-in-law, and she doesn't like that. But that doesn't work out the opposite way. Uh, it's not like the mother-in-law takes away the money from the daughter-in-law. That's not happening. And then that so that's first of all that that's in that direction. And Rebbe says similarly, um, when it comes to um, a, a stepdaughter. The Mishnah mentioned that a stepdaughter would also want to break apart this marriage with her stepmother, that her, her father has with the stepmother. So that's also, the stepdaughter is concerned that all the money that should be coming to me, she's, it's my father, it's going to this the stepmother. And so I don't like my stepmother because of that. But that doesn't mean that if it's the wife, and, and uh, the wife and the husband are married, and she has a stepmother, uh, meaning the husband has a, a, a stepmother. So the stepmother, that doesn't mean that she'll be upset with her stepmother. No, that's, the stepmother is really sort of out of that picture of where the money goes. Uh, so the stepdaughter will be upset, but the stepmother might not be upset of the, the stepmother of of the of the husband. Um, so it doesn't mean that it goes in both directions. Rabbi Huda says it's not obvious that it goes in, in both directions. So like then says, well, it's not obvious, so then why, in fact, are they included? Elakala... My time is de Megala called the Avda Ishis Avnami the Megala called the So at the end of the day, why does the uh, why does the daughter-in-law not like her mother-in-law? 
She doesn't like her mother-in-law because the mother-in-law keeps on telling her her son, the husband, everything that's wrong with the daughter-in-law. It's not about the it's not about where the money's going, but she just doesn't like her mother-in-law because the daughter-in-law doesn't like the mother-in-law because uh, she's telling her son everything uh, that's wrong, and she just doesn't like her mother-in-law. And so therefore, she wants to end this marriage between her father-in-law and the mother-in-law so that the mother-in-law is out of the picture. She just wants her to leave. And similarly, we will also exclude the husband's stepmother because the stepmother is always going to tell her husband, the father of the husband, everything that her daughter-in-law is doing wrong. <laughs> Uh, and so therefore, if it's the, if it's the husband's stepmother, so then she will also, um, sorry, it's also the other way around. The, the, the wife, she, the stepmother won't like the, um, won't like her stepson's wife because the wife is going to constantly tell her husband's father all the things that, uh, the stepmother is doing wrong. And so therefore, they're going to have this, uh, terrible relationship. And so therefore, Rabbi Huda says, we have to include those two. We have to add those two. We have to add uh, a stepmother and we have to add a daughter-in-law. All these cases, it could lead to a lot of uh, terrible relationships and they're going to test- falsely testify that the husband died just so that the mother-in-law or uh, the stepson's wife, will, all these different scenarios, will be out of the, will be out of the picture. That's what Rabbi Huda says. But the, the majority, they disagree. It, it doesn't have to be included. Why not? Sigmar explains, Excuse me, this is a, this is a verse in Mishlei, in Proverbs, where it says that, um, that basically, uh, that the relationships are reciprocal, that the way, the way you act to somebody else is the way they'll act towards you, and so the rabbis, the majority say that they already know that if the, if the mother-in-law doesn't like the daughter-in-law, the daughter-in-law doesn't like the mother-in-law, and if you don't like the stepdaughter, the stepdaughter won't like the stepmother, it just it's 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 by nature that if one person doesn't like the other one, it's reciprocal. They're not gonna like it'll work in, in both directions. What does Rabbi Huda say back? We have that verse. Rabbi Huda says a very interesting point from Rabbi Huda. No, It's not true. It could happen sometimes, but it's not necessarily true. It's all the time. There's a certain threshold where it has to be reached. We haven't reached that necessarily, says Rabbi Huda. This verse which says that it's reciprocal is talking about Torah. What does it mean it's talking about Torah? So two explanations that are given in Rashi. Rashi says that the more you put into Torah, the more you'll get out of it. It's about putting in. You have to put in your efforts into Torah. If you want to get something out of it, you have to put it in. You can't just say, "Ah, oh, I'm going to sit by the side and you know, I just uh, I hope Torah will, uh, you know, I will uh, I'll benefit from the Torah." No, you have to put in the effort in order for it to work. Alternatively. If the Rebbe, if the teacher puts in the effort and shows the care and concern that he has towards his students, so then students will appreciate the teacher. But if the t- teacher does not show that he cares about the students, then the students won't care about the teacher. So it has to do with a Rebbe Talmud, a, a teacher-student relationship. And that's what the verse is referring to. Very interesting point by Rebbe Huda. Okay, a few more a few more lines. I apologize, we're going to go a little bit over the 20-minute mark. Amar Vacha Bar Avya. Uh, what about the following scenario? You have somebody who might be the mother-in-law. It's somebody who might be the mother-in-law. How could she be the mother-in-law? So again, if it's through Yibam that you have two brothers uh, who are married to two women, two women who are not related, uh, they're married to two women, so if one of the brothers passes away, so then the wife does Yibam, 
it becomes a co-wife. So her mother, that wife's mother, who's not who's not currently right now is not a mother-in-law, but could eventually become a mother-in-law. So before she becomes a mother-in-law, right now, are we concerned about the future? The future that she'll eventually become the mother-in-law. Now, when it comes to a a potential co-wife, we already mentioned the Mishnah. We are concerned for a potential co-wife, but that's a lot closer of a relationship that the that the uh, the brother's wife is thinking, oh no, what happens if I end up doing Yibam? I'm going to have this co-wife. So that's a lot closer of a relationship. But when it comes to the mother-in-law, this is the, now the co-wife's mother, uh, the one who might do Yibam's mother. So that's a little further further apart, further distance. So what's the law? So turning the page to Kofi Zainam Bez, 117b, Tashma, they try to bring an, an explanation. Arma meis baili v'achach meis chami. Tinasa v'titok subasa. V'chamosa asura. My time v'chamosa asura. L'amishin damrinan. Lo baal ameis v'lo chame ameis. V'had de ka'amra hachil l'kalkula l'chamosa hudik m'chavna. Savra l'basar shaisa l'otisin titztaren. Basically, the case is as follows. You have a couple. Let's say Ruven is married to Rachel. Now, Reuven has his parents. Reuven has his parents. Reuven's father is Shimon, and the wife is Leah. Reuven's mother is Leah. So, Rachel comes and testifies, and you know what she testifies? She says, uh, she said, in general, she can't testify about her, her father-in-law. She can't testify. She's a daughter-in-law. She can't testify about her father-in-law. But you know what she does? She says, my husband died. Now you're no longer my father-in-law and mother-in-law. So, first of all, I'm testifying that my, my husband died. And you should also know that your husband died. Shimon died. My, my, who, somebody who used to be my father-in-law, who's no longer my father-in-law because, because Reuven died. I'm testifying that my husband, my own husband died. So I'm also testifying right after that, that my father-in-law died. So we say that she's believed with regards to her husband, but she's not believed with regards to her father-in-law. Why? Because there's concern that the only reason why she's saying that her husband died is so that she's no longer related to her mother-in-law. But she's really making the whole thing up. Then she's able to testify that her father-in-law died. She'll be believed for that. That's what she thinks. Because it's no longer a father-in-law. And then the mother-in-law will go off and marry somebody else. Um, and then will never be viewed as the mother-in-law. And then the husband will, will return. But she's doing maybe she's doing all this just so that she could testify about the father-in-law so that the mother-in-law is out of the picture. So because of that, she's not believed with regards to the father-in-law. Even though, based on her own testimony, it's not really a father-in-law anymore. But we won't trust it because... Maybe she's pulling all this off so that she'll be believed, so that the mother-in-law could be out of the picture. But what do we see? Both the father-in-law and the husband are traveling. They're both away. So you would think, this is what the Gemara says, that the mother-in-law-daughter-in-law relationship would be a little bit better because she has nobody to turn to now to complain about her daughter-in-law. The husband's away. Her son is away. They're all away. Nobody's around for her to talk to about how terrible her daughter-in-law is. So the daughter-in-law still wants to make sure the mother-in-law is out of the picture. Why? Because she's not worried about right now. She's worried about the future. So we see that we are concerned for the future. We see that we're concerned that because when the husband returns, when the, you know, when everybody returns, she's going to be back to bad-mouthing her daughter-in-law. So even though right now she's not saying anything, but she will in the future. So we do. We are worried about the future. The more answer is no. And with this, we'll conclude. It's not about the future. No, that's not why she, she wants to do this whole trick to have her mother-in-law leave. It's really about the past. That uh, even though the husband's away and her father-in-law's away, uh, they're away uh, traveling, she doesn't like her mother-in-law because of what her mother-in-law's been doing for the past uh, 20 years. About what the mother-in-law's, everything the mother-in-law's been saying about her to her, to her husband from, from the past. She's not worried about the future. 
she's already she's already gotten all the complaints. And so she doesn't like her mother-in-law as a result of that. And it's not so much of a focus on the future. It's about the terrible relationship that's existed from the past. And so therefore she wants her mother-in-law out of this relationship. And so maybe you can't compare that to other cases where they don't really have a relationship and it's just something to be concerned about for the future. So anyways, these are the five or seven different scenarios where they are not allowed to testify because it's a very difficult uh, relationship. Okay, we'll continue with a new Mishnah in the next recording.